When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, Seminole fans, basketball fans, probably some football fans too. Uh, I am Matt Minnick, joined by Michael Rogner, as always here, coming at you on Sunday afternoon, uh, the the day after a, a very, very fun uh, Florida State football win over Miami, which came one day after uh, kind of a pleasant surprise basketball win over Kennesaw State. We're going to talk Kennesaw State for sure. We're going to talk upcoming matchups. Uh, but first, just given that it's always nice to beat the shit out of Miami Hurricanes, and I don't care what the score is, beating them is still beating the hell out of them. Uh, did you catch the game last night, Michael? I did, and it felt like we were so close to blowing them out at so many points in that game, but you know, weird things happen. Um I did not. They had the final drive, and I I was sitting on my couch, one hundred percent comfortable that there was no way that they were going to score and go to overtime. So it wasn't maybe as close as the score was, but hey, we beat them. We're ten and zero. Um, they're not. The Gators are well. They're they're like five and five or something. So yeah, yeah things things are looking great. The Gators and Hurricanes only have I think one more win combined than Florida State has total. So that's that's a nice feeling. Totally agree with you. Uh, you know, my wife, she goes to a lot of the a lot of the home games with me. She's more of a basketball fan than football, but she enjoys the atmosphere, the the pageantry. Um, and and for those that weren't able to make it, speaking of pageantry, really nice tribute by the bands last night. Actually, both Miami and Florida State bands played uh collectively uh for the first time that I'd ever seen. Um, they played together uh the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And and some other stuff there for Veterans Day and and did each brand each uh, the song of each military service branch. So there was a lot of a lot of good stuff going on at halftime and paratroopers came in and stuff. But I asked her after the game, we were walking back to the car and I said, was there ever a moment in which you thought we could lose that game? And she looked and said, mm, no, they're just <laughs> she's like, they, they really yep. they couldn't move the ball. And I was like, yeah, like was weird even the last drive like it was loud we're excited but it was more just like oh yeah i saw that interception coming yeah. there was that was 100 was gonna happen as soon as tyler van dyke came in the game yeah. so yeah, i did yeah. feel bad for the other quarterback the guy who, who screwed up his arm like yeah. that was yeah. gnarly i don't know if you could wear yeah, yeah, that while you're in the stadium but yeah, yeah that was that was brutal so they hopefully that, that guy gets better but yeah that's i don't i don't you know i don't pay enough attention to football to know why Miami stinks when they have as much talent as they do, but Hey. Yeah. Hey, yeah, and you're right. right. We we never really could seize. It was a weird game. It was a rivalry game. And weirdly enough, I feel like more of our blowouts against Miami come down in Doak South than they do in mm -hmm. actual Doak Campbell stadium. But uh, I mean, yeah, we had a great time. It was, it was a fun night and there was, it was always like, oh, we're probably going to win by two or three scores. Well, what is this? Wow, it's a little bit closer than mm -hmm. I thought. Like, I don't know. It felt like we were always one or two plays away from really, really pushing that out. So, 
I think it was just a little bit of a little bit of extra fun to have it be close, even though it wasn't close. It was like it was yeah. it was a really fitting finish to what will probably be the last uh truly kind of electric dogit doke after dark night i don't you know folks not the pod to discuss this but there's some changes coming to doke cable stadium next year i'm sure some of the listeners know about them gonna be a lot more corporate not that there won't be nice atmospheres but i that was probably a nice fitting you know fsu versus miami finish to the to the you know to the stadium so uh yeah and and it was really a good weekend for folks who came up uh, for the game. It, I, again, if being living here in Tallahassee, you always know when it's when it's a Florida or Miami game because there's just a little bit of an extra vibe, a little bit of extra spice around town. You got to give yourself a little few extra minutes to get to whatever restaurant you're going to on Friday night. Um, and for for the folks that came up, they got to witness uh, a, a basketball team that looked. I don't know, like they actually cared about playing basketball for the first time, at least in a year and a half or so. Yeah, we I think one of the the texts we had during the game was, wow, these guys actually look like they want to be on the floor, which is which is a good start. The other, you know, the other part of that is that we've we've talked just ad nauseum, especially last year, about how the team is not going to be good on either end of the floor if they're not disruptive and. So step number one in returning to a good team is can we be disruptive? And I thought that we did a pretty good job against Kennesaw State. They did not look like a very good team, but they were picked second, you know, by the media in their conference. They are, you know, they are a pretty good team. The guy Terrell Burden, who did nothing, he had a terrible game, is probably going to be the conference player of the year. So, you know, anytime that you can make you can you can take the best player on the other team pretty much out of the game, then you know that that's a recipe for for ham ball ham ball success and he you know he had some free th- he had a bunch of free throws late but you know the game was it was 30 point game by that point yeah it uh it's it's one game and i don't want to take too much of that especially because in, in a sport like basketball it's a little more high variance honestly for all i know that's the worst game that Kennesaw State plays all year right they it's an opening night game you've been you know, practicing against each other for all of fall. You're coming down. You make a long drive down. Uh, you got a new coach adjusting to some things. Like for all I know, that that was just a, a D minus performance by Kennesaw State. But having sat at two exhibition games and having sat at that uh, at the Kennesaw State game, uh, none of those games had I would call a a, a very uh, boisterous. Uh, environment I, I the Kennesaw State game actually the people were you know I think there was more people than I expected for a for a game against Kennesaw State with a team that won nine games last year but it, it's not like this was some like game against Carolina boisterous environment and the point I'm making is that you can hear guys talking on defense I've been able to, I've been close enough to hear that you can hear you can hear and see guys on the bench fired up and pointing out, you know, screens and passes, you know, guys, when, when we're on defense, there is a connectivity that is leading to activity and disruptiveness that simply didn't exist for the two years that Caleb Mills and Matthew Cleveland were the quote unquote leaders of the team. Like they just, it just, there is a different level of energy and connectedness on defense that is there this year. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Jalen Worley was great. Jameer Watkins, you know, he scored two points and easily could have been the MVP of the game. Uh, Fletcher, you know, those guys, I gave, I gave Cameron Fletcher just endless shit when he joined this program because he would, he would play three great possessions and then wander around on the basketball court. Like he didn't even know the game was going on and he still gets off the bench. Like he's rolling out of bed, but man, that dude brought the energy and completely just changed the game every, every time he walked in. And so I, 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 you know, agree with you that we can't read too much into one game, but just the body language, the way the team looks like all of those things are on point. And there's a whole bunch of things that still need to get better and they need to work on, but the look of the team, it actually looks like a Florida state team. And and we could say that at no point last year, I think if you add up all of the fun I had last year, and put it into a ball like i've already had more fun with the season and we're we're one game in you know it's just being able to look at the guys running around on the court and say oh yeah that's florida state team and and, you know that's that's the encouraging part for me after that game that is really well said about the fun um and you know it's i I don't want to even just it's not even just last year versus this year look the we Hamilton's been here long enough that we've seen a lot of different versions of the teams and you could go back to 20 uh 16 and look that roster had Malik Beasley who is starting for the Milwaukee Bucks that roster had Dwayne Bacon who played in the NBA um that roster had I want to say uh maybe late a Carl White or I, I honestly would need to go back and look but it was it was a talented enough roster and yet the body language that we would see from from Bacon in some of those games the Malik doing the kind of the same thing that you were talking about Cam Fletcher um you know he he'd gamble on some steals and wouldn't really trot back like or run back after like a missed bucket or something and and that team didn't you know it won it won some games because it had NBA players on it but it you know which which last year's team did not have NBA players on it but it did. It didn't like really thrive. It didn't look like a Florida State team, and and that was back when we were saying like, I don't know. We're at a crossroads with Leonard Hamilton. They brought in a different type of recruit. That you know, the Trent Forest teams came in, the Terrence Mann teams came in, and that culture flipped. And and to your point, if taking nothing else away from Game One, there is a a semblance of the culture that existed when Terrence Mann and Devin Vassell were on the team or Al Thornton and, you know, Tim Pickett or whatever, like Tony Douglas, like there was a semblance of those culture as opposed to the Von Wafer, Malik Beasley, Caleb Mills culture. Yeah. I didn't see a lot of, you know, what I would consider to be selfish plays and, or the, you know, with the thing, the thing about Watkins to single him out is, the dude just makes like winning plays regularly. You know, he makes the right pass. He'll chase somebody down from behind, like all those little things that it takes to win the game. And all of that stuff is infectious. And, and to lean on to your, your 2016 reference there a little bit, that was, that was Devin Booker and XRM's team and they hated each other and it showed. And this team, you know, seems to be, we've only, we've only seen them three times, you know, twice and twice in preseason, once in season but they seem to be connected. You know, it seems to be a, a group of guys who want to win for each other. And if you look at who transferred out of the, 
out of the program, it's not hard to figure out what the difference is between last year and this year. Yeah. And I'm not going to burn any, I don't know who's listening to this, not going to burn any uh, folks here, but that's an astute observation. And I can tell you directly from someone directly connected on the team that that has been shared as well, that Mm -hmm. this year they're hanging out together. Mm -hmm. The team, not one or two individuals, the team is hanging out together outside of basketball. Mm -hmm. That was not the case last year. So take that for what you will. Um, So, yeah, I think like taking nothing else away from the game, that is a positive sign. And and that is something that like, I, you know, you're not always going to have a great three point shooting that Tom House is not going to step on the court throwing flame like (laughs) fires of flame on his birthday, like every single game. Right. Like we're just going to we're just going to call that what it is. You're not going to have the opposing team shoot like 16 percent from three every single game. Right. Those are not things that are going to happen. But the unselfish culture that leads to the connectedness, that the disruptiveness, that stuff can happen every single game. And uh, that it's and I think it's infectious in two. I think it's infectious both positively and negatively. Um, I think that Jameer Watkins, who, by the way, in the postgame was talked about by Coach Ham, Tom House and Aaron Green, all three saying, I mean, that that's a guy that look at the impact he on the game and he made one shot. So that tells you that I think not only is that infectious for Florida state's players, I think the other team, it's like infectious in a, in a deflating way. You you're trying to get the score back to 12 or back to a manageable number. And every time you look up, the guy is making the right plays, winning plays. And mm-hmm. and that is deflating because you are relying when you're trying to come back from 15 down, which Florida did on Florida state last year, which Purdue did last year, which several teams came back from 15 down on Florida state. Uh, you need the other team to make mistakes. You need the other team to play losing basketball. And it's deflating to see that the head of the snake is playing winning basketball even when he's only making one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's I, I cannot disagree with, with with any of that. And I think that, you know, we could probably go through the roster and sing, single out a bunch of guys. And that's that's a good sign. Like every I can think of everybody on the team at some point making a good play. And then, you know, you look at the the, the camera zooms out and the three guys on the other end of the court are all pointing down the, to this side of the court, you know, signaling that guy out because he got a deflection or you know whatever and it's just that that's the that's the the type of team that we're used to watching win basketball games in the tuck and i would i i you so so in in summary just that part of just seeing that in action was a bit of a surprise to me i was not willing to uh accept ham's um a statement that he was going to get this team turned around or that he's going to get the culture turned around. You know, I just did, I, I wasn't going to believe it until I saw it. And, and I, st- I still, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about it, but uh, you know, watching that game really opened my eyes and made me think, Oh yeah, this guy is a hall of fame coach. And I, you know, I kind of, I kind of forgot that at, at points last year when we were losing every week. Well, you know, you said that you had more fun in this season than you had in all of last year combined. And you know what? I think the same is true of coach Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, that's for when sure. He, that was, I don't mean like he's lost weight. That was the lightest he looked 
in a year coming up to the podium after the game. Like, I don't think Coach Hamilton enjoyed coaching last year's team. And and I know a lot of those guys were evaluated during COVID. A lot of those, a lot of those first, mm-hmm. second, they he, he didn't get to spend as much time with them. If if y'all don't know this, Coach Hamilton really did not um travel much during COVID. He didn't get to spend as much time in person with those players before bringing them onto the team. Um, you talked last pod about a couple of guys, maybe late. There was also some, maybe some misevaluations from, uh, you know, coaches that are no longer on staff, but yeah, I think coach Hamilton is having more fun. Um, so aside from the culture, maybe like take, give me, you know, 60 more seconds, 90 more seconds on a couple other things that were like pleasant surprises, acknowledging that it's one game against an outmatched opponent, but other pleasant surprises maybe that you weren't anticipating seeing this team live for the first time. Yeah. We took 33 threes, which <laughs> sign me up, man. That's not only is that fun for the fans, but they were in rhythm. They were open shots. I wish we would have made a couple more, you know, we made 11 out of 33, but it was fun to see, you know, especially, uh, you know, house, we already mentioned him. He came off the bench and knocked down three in a row. Uh, Nickelberry and Darren green, I think combined to make five threes. And that's probably the, the low end of the average we you know we probably need to have them to average maybe six Mm -hmm. between them per per game so that you know that that was right in the ballpark um we opened up the game just sort of a uh discombobulated mess and especially on the defensive end and that very quickly got fixed which i was which i was happy to see you know they had a they had 100 offensive rebounds and they're you know they missed like their first you know, of their first 10 shots they missed, they offered the rebound on like eight of them or something. It was, you know, it was kind of a mess. And so what happened was we brought in the hockey line shift. You know, we had five guys come in and it's like, hey, there's no, there's no let up here. There's no, um, in the, in the intensity of, 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 there's obviously a skill let up, but then the intensity of the game, it's just like, here we are, let's bring in new dudes. And you can see that start to wear on the other team just mentally and physically to have to, you know, deal with bigger, stronger guys who have more energy than you for 40 minutes. It's, it's tough. And so those, the, those are the things that really, that really stood out to me. And then the, just the, the sheer number of deflections was great. You know, I, I we, we, we don't, we don't keep track of that, but I know the coaching staff does. And- I got the number for you. Nice. It was, it was it? said by Tom House as soon as he came into the uh to the post game. It was 41. 41. So one a minute, you know. 41 more, deflections, yeah. not yeah. not counting right. some other stuff. Yeah, 41. Yeah. Good number. That is a good number. And combine combine that with nine block shots that we had, and and you know, we forced another yeah. had another nine steal. It's just Florida State's hands were all over the ball the whole game. Yeah. I mean, and what 85 possessions so, yeah that was fun which was how how long's it been since we had one of those games i we were uh, looking at uh, november 2017 yeah we had uh i think 90 against the citadel yeah. so and the citadel that year i remember that, like that the citadel shot like every four seconds or something yeah. it was it was crazy yeah. um and kennesaw state you know they want to play fast but but I, I was not anticipating 85 possessions. I was hoping for 80. Yeah. And expecting more like 75 and we got 85. So, yeah, no, that was, that was good. Uh, I, you know, so I asked after the game, I asked Hamilton, um, 
I said, I said, I didn't keep track, although maybe I will next game, but it seemed like we had a lot more possessions where we were shooting in the, in the first 12 seconds than, than last year. Mm -hmm. And he kind of cut me off and said, well, I've told them that my goal, I want, my goal is to have a, have a shot in the first six seconds. Mm -hmm. And if we can't get a shot in the first six seconds, then we want, I think he said 230 passes over the game. Uh, But that for the ball, not to be on one side of the court for more than three seconds uh, and to, to work it, you know, work it back and forth um, so that either get a shot in the first six seconds or start moving it side to side to where it's not on one Mm -hmm. side of the court um, for more than three seconds and then try to get a shot again before, before 15 seconds, Uh, which Honestly, I was pleased to hear. I, I like that answer. I mean, six seconds typically means that means you're you probably forced a missed, grab the offensive re- or grab the defensive rebound, push it up the court, either for a guy in the corner or a guy streaking into the basket. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that a few times. Two of House's threes were within the first six seconds. Yep. They were shot in rhythm. They were rained you know from deep and and really those that was when the crowd kind of became alive like you do that against like a clemson at home and i could see uh seven thousand you know eight thousand people in the tucker center starting to rev that defense up and it mm-hmm. all of a sudden this starts to feel like 2017 or 2018 or something yep. yeah that's how you end up with runs you know you, you you hit those quick shots and then in the second half i think we we stole the ball on inbounds after we had made the basket three times like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it was just like they were all over the place and you that's that's when you can see the other team like starting to wilt a little bit under the physical and just emotional pressure of of having to face you know a big fast strong active team and fletcher was in that at that period i think mm-hmm. yeah fletcher and bowen both had one and i don't remember who who the third one was Am i, I want to say nickelberry maybe yeah so that tells you what lineup was in, and mm-hmm. and to your point about, Fle- I mean, your Fletcher's energy was credited by both staffs after the game, uh, both team staffs, and I I, I don't know when we're going to see see Jalen Ganey, but if he joins the second group, because my guess he's mm-hmm. no way for a guy he would be playing already if he was kind of that far along health wise. So I'm guessing they're going to work him back in slowly. If he joins the, the, the line change and you're bringing in Fletcher, Nickelberry, Bowen, Jalen Ganey, that is a devastatingly athletic and long mm-hmm. second unit of just wearing your ass out for four yeah. minutes. I don't even care if they score. Like right. that's just four minutes of the other team's legs after that are going to be exhausted. Yeah. It was like when we used to bring in, it was, uh, what was that dude's name? That would just come in and just straight up mug people. The the big white center from Oh, craft. <laughs> yeah. Bring in craft and, uh, yeah. you know, some of those guys and, and as the second unit and they would just shut, they would just beat the, beat the other team up. And then we'd bring the guys back in who could score. And it was, it was great. Uh, but the, you know, with these guys, Corin, you know, 6'10", Baba, 6'11". You bring in Ganey. Ganey can be on the court with those two guys at the same time. You know, Corin can. Can. can play outside more than he does. And, you know, Ganey is definitely not. You know, Ganey is is a post player, you know, pure and simple. Uh, so it, it gives you a, a little more um, 
flexibility. I would like to see us stick with some of those small lineups though, because we were running some five out sets with the small with the smaller second lineup and those and that was really tough to defend. Yeah. Uh real quick. So tell what you what did it what did you see about Corin maybe from your view? I, I thought he particularly in the second half, I thought he looked like he knew where he was supposed to be a lot mm-hmm. more than last year, but I'm curious. And then I'll, I'll share an anecdote from Hamilton after the game, but I'm curious about your thoughts of cam. And then maybe after that, we'll go to the negatives. I I'm still kind of, he's, he's got the energy. Like he's got a little bit of understanding of what he needs to do, but he, he's still to me um, a little indecisive when he gets the ball or he is overly decisive and makes a bad decision. But I, I think that you can see some places in his game that, uh, you know, sort of face up, you know, if he can face the guy up from 12 feet, like he's got, he's, you know, he's got some moves that he can, that, that, that he can go to. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was, I think five or seven for the game. So, you know, he's, he's obviously efficient from, from, from that standpoint. Um, he's got a soft touch around the basket. He does. Yeah. Um, he's active, you know, on defense, he's active, so he's not going to hurt us there. Uh, but I, I think he's, he's, he still just kind of feels out of position a little bit to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wrote about it in the article before this game. I still don't know if, if we, the, the staff, if we, the program quite still know like what exactly his role Mm-hmm. should be which then if we don't know then of course the kid doesn't i mean that's hard right like it's hard to internalize that i'd love for it for him to be able to develop into like a like maybe a more a better shooting version of ryan reed mm-hmm. but um it's interesting this is more of just a one of those for the for the audience kind of need to hear and confirmed maybe why maybe some of the guys this year don't uh, didn't didn't vibe as well with the group last year, but you know, Ham said that Corin is in the gym more than anyone they've had on the team in a long time. And, and even as a freshman, he wasn't necessarily the leader of the team, but he was turning on the lights when, when Pratt, when the gym opened and turning the lights off when the gym, when the gym shut down and, and that actually he had, Hamilton said that he had the best fall of anyone on the team, best early fall, mm-hmm. came out and was just playing phenomenal in fall and almost is over-practicing. And they've had to pull him aside and and kind of like for the he's like one of the few players we've had to kind of say dial it back. Like you're you, we got a lot, we have 30 games and you gotta dial it back a little bit. Uh and he thought in the exhibitions he looked a little just fatigued, but um, I, I thought his energy was pretty good in this first game, but mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that last year, the freshman, the guy that really didn't even know if he was going to play that much until there were some injuries and stuff was shutting down the gym and, and that he had apparently a great fall, but has kind of almost like worn out his legs a little bit. I, I just thought that was an interesting anecdote from him. Oh, that is interesting. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Kofor situation, you know, where he, he didn't really have a position until yeah. he figured out how to start making threes with, with, uh, you know, right. had to... like late junior year. Yeah. Once they had to guard him on the perimeter, all of a sudden Kofor is an extremely valuable piece. And I think that's where Corin is, is headed from a development standpoint. And he's, you know, it's going to still take him. He's only, you know, one game into his sophomore year, a true sophomore. Yeah. Year. I mean, he's played, so, yeah. 
what 31 games yeah and he yeah and as you mentioned he was totally out of position last year by necessity on a terrible team so playing with guys who thought that you just dribbled the whole time last year was probably horrible for his development if we're being honest Mm -hmm. um what about anything that I don't want to say are things of like, yep, we're going to suck at that. Cause again, it's only one game. I don't want to take too much on either side from this, but was there anything that you're thinking, Hmm, that doesn't seem like it's going to be very, you know, very helpful for us this year. When we weren't able to get out and run on offense, the offense was, was pretty bad. And that, I mean, it's not unexpected, but I was hoping that it would be better. The, I think Chandler has, I don't, you know, who knows what happened with him the, this summer, you know, he was suspended, mm-hmm. but he was still working out with the team. Yeah. You know, he's, he's kind of the key to run in that second unit because you want uh Nickelberry playing sort of Darren green's role. And then, yeah. And then you got Fletcher and Deontay green and Bowen who are all just like weird mismatches, but not necessarily shooters. Um, so you really need that guy who can, who can penetrate. And I think so Chandler, if he can get his act together a little, you know, get, then I think that second, the offense on the second unit becomes a little bit better. And the, the offense on the first unit was better, but it's still just, I mean, it's, this is a team that is needs to be in transition. And I, I don't know how much progress they're going to be able to make on that this year. So that was, that was one big concern. And then the other one, the other two are, the never ending concerns, which is our inability to finish off defensive possessions by getting the rebound and um, our inability to just stop making silly turnovers. I liked that there were zero charges called in this game. I didn't even know what sport I was watching at one point. So that that was, that was, that was very helpful for, for Florida state, but the, the turnovers we still had, you know, like 18% of our possessions, which is, not terrible, but it's not like we were playing, you know, Clemson or some really good defensive team. Yeah, they they really sound like they were pressuring us much at all. Um, I what about? I, I'm wondering if Ganey can help a little. I, I I almost wonder if the second unit's offense can be better because they'll have Ganey. Mm-hmm hopefully grabbing more defensive re- like the, the point about the defensive rebounds i mean he's he was the ivy league defensive player of the year two years in a row and if, if he can grab some of those defensive rebounds and just a shut you know close out the possession and b start the second unit with a quick defensive rebound and mm-hmm. push i i do you know chandler 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 does a better job than i think right now one of the things that of a, a like i'd like to see improve yeah, I saw it, saw it now, both exhibitions and this game. We're trying to push pace as, as we see the 85 possessions. There's still too many guys that their version of pushing pace is dribbling up the court. Yeah. And I think Baba, by the way, is the biggest uh, offender of this. He loves to – It's I know, and I know, like, he's playing a different version of basketball and some of the Europe – like the Jokic and, like – Luca, they do oftentimes bring the ball up the court in in a game that's very different and has a lot of different spacing to it. You got to we don't need someone like casually dribbling from the from one free throw line to the other free throw line. And and, and I do think Chandler is best about like passing it up the court. I, I'd like to see, or I'd like to hope that maybe Ganey can help that second unit out there as well. Um, I don't know what we're gonna do about the dribble penetration. What, was this Kennesaw State guard just? I don't know if he was 
quicker than we'll see a lot in the in the league, but they seem to get it in the paint. They got they shot a lot of free throws. They shot a lot of free throws. They shot a lot of free throws. They got some layups off made baskets on our end. I mean, they 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 got to the bat. I'm expecting with the amount of that we're trying to pressure teams that we're gonna you know we're gonna give up a fair number of uncontested layups every game. It's just something we got to be used to. But yeah, they they but they probably got there a little bit uh, more frequent. I mean, they shot 20 they second have. half free throws. Yeah, that was that was rough, and and some of it is like, what are the hell are the refs doing? It's a thirty point game. Why are you why sure? Are you, why are you sure. suddenly blowing the whistle? So a little bit is on that, but still, um, yeah, that that Robinson guy is not small. You know, he was like Devon Robinson. He was like six six eight or six nine or something, and 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 he he shot six free throws. I think all in the second half. You know, he had thirteen rebounds. It was like. Yeah. So and we and, and the thing is is that we don't actually have like a true Bernard James eraser mm-hmm. back there. Now, again, maybe that's Ganey. Maybe yep. Ganey is an eraser. But while we did have nine blocks, a lot of those blocks were of the help side kind of they weren't the like, yeah, the guy got like got by you, but we have a lobby back there just mm-hmm. waiting to swat it. Like those were not the blocks. Um I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It was, like, it was like the whole defense collapsing on one driver and against a good team that turns into a wide open corner three. three. Yeah, exactly right. There were several blocks where there was like three or four arms that were just swatting mm-hmm. everything. I I need I'm I need to I'm interested to see what that looks like uh in in the next maybe the next two weeks. Yeah. Uh and also willing to admit that maybe getting a guy who was the two-time defensive player of the year in his league could help some of that, uh, depending on what his, his like health and explosiveness looks like post post knee surgery. Um, Okay. So we play central Michigan tomorrow, tomorrow night, uh, Monday, for those of you that might be listening to this tomorrow. So today, (laughs) Uh, and then we have a week of practice or almost a week of practice and play UF on Friday um let's talk both games central michigan seems to be horrible is that right that is is giving them maybe a little more credit than they deserve they're they're as bad a college basketball team as there's going to be in college basketball they're they're terrible they're also particularly ill-suited to face a team like florida state because they're not a bunch of 510 guys who can drive right by us they're actually a pretty big team um there, there's zero percent chance that they're going to win this game, and this will, you know, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how we how we play it. Um, Central Michigan is typically, you know, like a bunch of dudes from Detroit who maybe weren't three or four star prospects, and so it's like a, you know, a, usually a, a like a, a stout, um, you know, tough team. Um, but the head, the coach Barbie has like 10 new guys this year and they don't even know each other. It's it's they're a mess. They, they lost by 40 to Oklahoma or 30 to Oklahoma. And then uh, one of the other worst teams in basketball, uh, Louisiana Monroe came to their place and beat them. So yeah. And they're, they're bad. And they don't, um, they don't value the basketball. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're six in the country in turnovers percentage and i just i mean everything that we just talked about is like oh we had 41 deflections against kennesaw state i 
I almost I don't know. I like I'm really I'm really just hopeful that we get out of this game with no injuries and I, I don't even know how much I would even take like even if we ended up having 20 steals in this game, I'm like, but what does that really mean? I don't know. Like, um, so I don't even know how much time I want to spend on it. It'll be I will say that I'll by I'll be interested to see our turnovers again to your to your point earlier like are we doing sort of like the careless turnovers how does our fast break look because at times even in the exhibition game against uh valdosta state who we really overwhelmed and i i believe we actually did have 20 steals against valdosta state in the beginning the second half we were turning those into buckets the first half it was dribbling up the court it was passing too late. It was guys not running to the corner and we were getting steals and turning them into turnovers or turning them into like four shots. And it's like, if if we're going to be one of those classic Leonard Hamilton teams that maybe really struggles in the half court, but actually can grind you down with waves of, of pressure and turning you over 25% of the time. Like if, if that's what we're going to be, you have to, be dunking those like those turnovers have to be turning into points uh and so maybe that's the one thing i'll be looking at but um i don't know any other any other thoughts you want to say i mean i thought your column was really nice i'll give you that that was that was a good <laughs> yeah. article on, yeah people uh, should, should check that out central michigan five, five things about central michigan yeah i would like to see us execute in the half court like when we do get dragged into half court possessions like let's actually see some execution against dudes that we should be able to execute against if we can't do it against central michigan then that's a bad sign for a friday yeah we're favored by 21 that number has gone up a bit or i say favored i'm guessing the line will be about 20 because ken palm is there it it was not quite that high but actually our our numbers um beating kennesaw state by almost 30 when we were only favored by i think like 15 or so um kind of did a good thing for our computer numbers and and honestly if if we do I, I, am i right that this year the nit is just they're not taking teams that actually win their conference they're just gonna take big name mm-hmm. teams that are like right they did away with that whole like you earned your spot and they're just gonna select anybody who has a winning record yeah, it used to be that if you won your conference regular season but didn't go to the tournament, then you automatically went to the NIT, and that's no longer the case. So now we're going to get a bunch of, of middle-tier, high-major teams that have no interest in being in the tournament, Yeah, and we're getting getting rid of the teams that actually want to be there. So, yeah, it's a good good move. They got the same, uh, the same consultant firm as as the Dove Campbell Stadium <laughs> yeah. renovation mm-hmm. consultant firm. Yeah. Uh, I actually think that may, this is a game we need to win by 40 if, if you care about computer metrics, if you care because because they're a horrible team. But now in the new uh, the new net rankings and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter if you play a horrible team as long as you kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as you uphold the spirit and the values of the NCAA student athletes and beat them down by 75 points, you then are rewarded for playing terrible, terrible teams. So if we want an NIT bid or if you are optimistic. Maybe you're a glass three quarters full kind of person. And, uh, and you think that we could be on the bubble or, or fighting for a 12 seed. Um, you want this game to be won by 35. Um, aside from that and no injuries, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else to say on it. So let's go to the UF game who, uh, by all accounts should be better than us. They are, they are more talented as from a roster standpoint. Um, they, they are well coached not that we're not but i mean this it's not like it's a 
Mike White uh, mm-hmm. anymore is over there. And and they played Virginia very close. They lost to Virginia on a neutral court, 73-70 to 70, um, in a 67-possession game. So they got 70 and 67 possessions against Virginia. And and honestly, I mean, Virginia is a pretty good team this year. And, and Florida had – Virginia is a lot easier for teams in the ACC who play them a lot, to, who have that scout. To, to get ready for them. I think they're tough to play on a short turnaround for teams that aren't used to playing Virginia. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like Florida fans probably, I mean, you want to win that game, but it was a pretty good performance by them. Do we have a chance in Gainesville? Well, they did turn the ball over a lot against Virginia, which is the one area where we're probably better than Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's, there's some hope there and it was not like travels and, throwing the ball to cheerleaders it was like live ball turnovers and and that's why virginia won the game that and, and florida was was not a great three-point shooting team um florida is good they've got size to compete with florida state they've got uh, riley kugel who is you know but as as good as almost you know he, he's he's probably gonna be you know an all-conference player at least like second team maybe first team um he's going to be an nba guy he's he can jump out of the gym he's he's better than anybody on our team um they did lose some guys from last year you know they they they, uh that that they depended on on heavily so that that's good colin castleton is gone that's Um, nice yeah so that's nice and so who knows we've it's good that we're catching them early, you know, because they are mm-hmm. a team with lots of new pieces. They can probably say the same thing about us. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's one of those things. I would anticipate that we're going to be a significant like seven to nine point underdog. I think Ken Palm has it at eight at the moment. So that seems about about right. And so, you know, there's, there's a chance, but, but it's, it's probably like a, you know, a, a 20% chance or a 25% chance. So, who knows if we could if we could sneak one there and heading into UNLV in that tournament, then we're in awfully good shape. So I'll I'll try to remain optimistic for this point and just think that we're going to pick up a bunch of steals and drain threes and, and somehow sneak that win out. But I that would be a that would be a little bit of a surprise to me at this point. Yeah, I would. You know, frankly, I was shocked last year when we came out and we were up like twenty four in the first yeah. half and then I gave up a. 20 point lead faster than any lead I've ever seen given up uh, to open the second half. Uh, I I guess we could come out and get them up, you know, get, get, like you said, get some steals and I'd feel better if it was home. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what makes me nervous. I'm looking at these free throw rates and I see Walter Clayton at 45% uh, Tyree Samuel at 55 uh, Mm -hmm. and, and Will Richard, who you know, and those those guys, by the way, are junior, senior, and junior. They're all over forty on the free throw rate, meaning meaning not what they're shooting, that how how often they're getting to the line, uh, which is which all three of them are top you know four fifty in the country of players. So all the players they're all, and that's concerning to me. Um, and the other the other number to me that is kind of like big red flag is uh, they 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 played two games right they played two games they'll play a third they play FAMU on Tuesday thirteenth uh, in the country offensive rebounding yeah that's trouble so they do they do play up tempo which so so I think it's going to be an entertaining game I just don't think it's going to be a a winning game for I, us I, I'll go on the record in saying that if we win. 
in order to win, we have to turn them over greater than 25% of the possessions because if they're going to grab almost half their misses, that, I mean, you have to be ending their possessions with turnovers, not with shots. Uh, so I don't know because I just don't see how a, a traditionally team, a team that traditionally struggles on the defensive glass that definitely won't have Ganey back by UF. I don't know when he's coming back, but I can tell you that it's not this week. Uh, he still is not like fully ramped up with warming up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. That's 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 a big proposition. Unless unless you just win the three point lot, which is the great equalizer in college yeah. basketball. Unless Darren Green goes eight of ten, Josh Nickelberry goes you know four of six, and and Cam Fletcher makes three. Yeah, I think the most interesting part of the game to me is what are we going to do with Kugel? Like he's a b- very ball dominant NBA player, and so do we go the path where we do everything to shut him down or do we shut everybody else down and let him go? So that's, it's always kind of fun to watch with him and that'll, that'll be one fun thing to tune into, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to need something a little weird to happen for us to walk out of Gainesville with a win. I'd tell you what, six, five, two Oh seven. I I'm him. Him very, very rarely does this. That's a guy that I think that you could have at all times, either Watkins or Flesher really pressuring him. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys are quick enough stay with Riley Kugel and they are long enough to frustrate him into not being able to get to his spots. I I think Jameer Watkins, if given an assignment, which we don't really play assignment defense, but if given an assignment, I think Jameer Watkins could really frustrate uh, Kugel. I'd be interested to see if, if any of that, if that even comes in like spurts, maybe if that comes even in like a couple of minutes at a time. Um, I don't know. Just, just one, one thought. Uh, one other quick, just kind of random note. After uh, UF plays us, they play uh, Pitt and then Wake. So kind of like a tour de ACC mm-hmm. uh, for UF. That'll be interesting is to maybe see how we compare against some of our uh, ACC competition. Pitt and Wake both seem like teams that we might be competing for in that, uh, competing with in that kind of seventh to tenth uh, range in the ACC. So might be some interesting uh, notes to take there. Yeah, maybe to wrap this whole thing up, the connection there. So Florida's playing Wake Forest. The point guard from Central Michigan we play tomorrow, he transferred to Wake Forest. And so we will be facing him later. He was the only good team player on on, uh, Central Michigan's team last year. But so we'll skip him tomorrow, but then we'll see him later in the season when we play uh, Wake Forest. So, yeah. It's all it's all one one big six degrees of, of college basketball separation. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. well, we are one and oh, I I think both of us are very confident in going to two and oh, which is two wins a lot faster than we got last year. Mm-hmm. And and you know what? You, you head on down to, to Gainesville and, and you if nothing else is going to be a good learning experience for a young team. And you put your uh, you put you lace them up and put your shoes on and I don't know. See how it goes. Absolutely. Any, any final prediction on. Like, do we, how about this? I give you a spread of nine. Do we cover a spread? Against, against, against UF, against UF. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say we do. It's going to be a close one. I, I tend to agree. Free throws can get weird down the stretch. I think that that is going to be a good, a good little basketball game. Uh, and I tend to agree that, that going to, to really bring it full circle jameer watkins makes winning plays came from a team that won 27 games it's not going to just walk into florida and be intimidated and that that infectious attitude will will show itself 
I think it's going to be a fun game and college basketball. You're allowed to have fun when you lose because you, you're going to lose 10 and, times. And minimum, sometimes so. your, your metrics even go up when you yeah, lose. Yeah, so, so it's fine. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, good talking to you. Uh, we, we probably won't get another pod in before the Florida game, but we'll, uh, I'll catch you on the flip side. Hopefully three and zero. Sounds good. Talk to you then.